0: Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. You've no doubt heard the old joke about the guy who calls a pizza place to order pizza over the phone. He orders a medium-sized pizza with mushrooms and sliced tomatoes. The person taking the order asks whether they'd like the pizza cut into eight slices or ten, to which our trusty guy ordering the pizza says, Oh yes, definitely cut it in ten. I'm quite hungry today. Yeah, it's an old joke and it's not all that funny, really. But I'm guessing the guy who ordered the pizza must work for the Federal Reserve. In a world of finite resources, of finite primary wealth, and of finite pizza, issuing more currency or making smaller slices of pizza doesn't create more pizza. It simply dilutes the value of each slice of pizza. Okay, so we know governments are printing money like never before. According to modern monetary theory, we're being told that printing money will not be inflationary as long as it's being done the right way. So what will cause the next downturn in real estate? The world is filled with counterparty risk. Quite simply, counterparty risk is the result of one asset on a balance sheet appearing as a liability on someone else's balance sheet. When the chain of financial dependence becomes too deep and too unstable, then you have a chain of dominoes. Once one domino falls, then all the dominoes in the chain fall over. So the question is, where is the instability in the system? And where is that house of cards? Some have argued that the government is simply printing too much money, and that's the cause of the instability. But if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you'll remember me saying that printing money works until it doesn't. And when it doesn't work, there's no turning back. It's a slippery slope. It's a runaway train. The only way back from that kind of slippery slope is a complete reset of the financial system. Some countries have tried cosmetic resets to the financial system. Venezuela's recent attempt was to lop off five zeros from their banknotes. In the end, that didn't work because they didn't fix the underlying issue. It takes commitment to stop printing money. Economies flourish when talented, hard-working people produce valuable goods and services. It's ridiculous to expect that an economy becomes wealthier when people are paid not to work, when debt levels soar, and when central bankers conjure up trillions of dollars out of thin air. We can also see inflation when we look at asset prices. Stocks are trading at peak valuations. The average price-to-earnings ratio in the S&P 500, for example, is now at 42. That's roughly three times the historic average. It's only been higher two other times just before the 2000 crash and just before the 2008 crash. Bonds are so expensive, more than 13 trillion worth of bonds trade at negative yields. Let's imagine that one day, stock traders wake up and realize prices being offered in the market, they just don't make any sense. This is what's happened from time to time throughout history. We saw it on October 19th, 1987. We saw it in 2001 after the dot-com bubble burst. We saw it again in 2008, when it became clear the U.S. banking system was overleveraged, And of course, we saw it in 1929. A precipitous drop in the stock market could cause a cascade effect on assets across the board. One of the warning signs is the amount of debt in the stock market. Now You might be wondering what I'm talking about. Stock market's an equity market. I'm talking about the margin accounts at all the major brokerage houses. When traders have high margin accounts and prices fall, then traders need to sell assets in a hurry to cover their margin shortfall. That puts downward pressure on the market. We saw margin calls play a major role in the market crash in 1987, in 2001, in 2008, and yes, in 1929. Let's imagine that you're sitting on a lot of cash. Let's imagine that you're worried about inflation. That means your cash is going to be worth less a year from now, or two years from now, or five years from now, than it's worth today. And let's say that not only are you sitting on a lot of cash, you're also a lender would you be willing to lend money for a long time at a low fixed interest rate? Or, would you prefer to put your money into an asset that provides a more effective hedge against inflation? You'd really have two choices in that scenario. You want to lend money at a higher interest rate in order to compensate for the devaluation risk, or you prefer not to lend money at all, rather put your money to work in an asset that's an effective hedge against inflation. Putting your money to work means you need to take inflation into account. Clearly, you'd prefer to be hedged against inflation. Inflation transfers wealth from lenders to borrowers. So it stands to reason that credit rise up during periods of inflation. Just like we saw during the period post-2008, credit disappeared and asset prices plummeted. We saw stocks and bonds plummet. We saw real estate plummet. Why? Because real estate values were propped up by the ability to borrow money. And if you remove the ability to borrow money, then prices will fall and they'll fall fast, just like in 2008 and the period thereafter. Rising real interest rates will be the result of a risk premium attached by lenders, irrespective of what the Federal Reserve or the Bank of Canada or the Bank of England says the official interest rate is. That freeze in credit markets will be the catalyst for this next down cycle. I'm going on record to say this will happen. I just can't tell you when. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. I'll talk to you again tomorrow.